Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome to City of Life Church. Church Online, we're glad that you joined us today. I've got something for you that I believe is going to be encouraging to you. And uh, I hope you're going to leave here better than the way you came in. Um, I'll just be straight with you. Today, this message is about getting you jump-started. That's what I care about. I care you about you leaving here, and one year from today, you looking back at, at, at this year and saying, this year was different for me because I started off with a different mentality. Okay, can anyone use a little bit of that today, or are you just looking for a little bit more of the same? Because I'm looking for something different than you. I want something new. I want something brand new to step into everything that God has called me to step into. So next week, I'm just encouraging you. Um, we're going to launch that whole new 21 days of fasting and prayer. Uh, that's going to be different. We're giving you one week to eat bad. Okay, that's, that's very thoughtful of us. you got one week uh, to, to make some bad choices with your eating. But after that, from then on, we're going to jump right into it and get this thing started off right. Uh, it's it's going to be amazing. I'm going to get into my text scripture, Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. I hope you guys had a great uh, New Year's celebration. I know that our New Year's Eve service was so much fun. It was fantastic. People celebrating here. Hope you had a good time. I hope you're safe. I know a lot of people are sick, uh, dealing with difficulties. If you're watching online, uh, doing church at home, and you need healing today, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is moving on your behalf. We're praying for you right now. In Jesus' name, be well, be healed. Uh, last year, we ended uh, with miracles happening all around us. And I believe how you exit is how you enter. We're going to enter into 2022 in miracles, uh, on miracles, on miracles. So I'm excited about that. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. If you have never heard this before, it is a really powerful way to explain to us on how good we are at creating excuses. Excuses. Anything that we can come up with to keep from doing what we should do, we'll come up with it. And this is a perfect example. And as a matter of fact, I felt like this was so compelling that I wrote my entire book, Jesus First, Jesus Always, around this idea of this very scripture. Uh, and in this scripture, a guy says something to Jesus. He makes this statement to Jesus, the kind of statements that we make all the time. Uh, but listen to what he says. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I'm going to explain that in just a second here, but today my message is called Start Now. Don't start tomorrow. Don't start the day after. Don't give yourself time to figure it all out. Start now, Father, bless this message today. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling the space of our heart today. Uh, we pray that you continue to move in our lives. Let this be a year of praise. Lord, a year of new ground that we take for you, things that we could never imagine, more than we could ask or imagine or dream of. 
Let it happen this year in your name. Transform our county. We declare St. Cloud belongs to Jesus. Kissimmee belongs to Jesus. Orlando belongs to Jesus. Osceola, Orange Counties. You're doing something incredible in Central Florida and Florida and the world. And we pray that it starts right here today with our faith being exactly what you want it to be. Believing for every promise that you've given to us. We believe it today. And let rooms, let, let the hearts of this room be transformed today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said. Let's get a really good amen. Everybody said, amen. we're going to have one of them churches this year, them fired up churches this year. Can I get another amen? amen? Okay, yeah, that's the kind of church we're going to have this year. Amen. So in this passage of scripture, you have a guy that comes to Jesus and he says, I'll follow you anywhere. That's just information he offers, kind of wanting to impress Jesus. Maybe he feels like that's a real thing that's coming from his heart. But what I love about Jesus is he has a way to see through the things that we say we're going to do. So this guy says, I'll follow you anywhere. What Jesus looks at him and discerns something about him. What does he discern about him? He discerns, well, wait a minute. You're saying you'll follow me anywhere, but I can tell right now you like your house too much. Because where I'm going, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. Now, a lot of people kind of want to misuse this scripture and say that means Jesus didn't have a house. No, he had a house. That's not what he means. What he's saying is my life is on the move. It's on the go. One day he tells me to go here. I might sleep in, in the desert, put, lay my head on a rock because I'm going to this town or to that town. But my life is not about comfort the way yours is. Yeah. And I can tell you're not even willing to give up your living situation to follow me. So don't say that you're ready now if you're not ready now. Yeah, so then Jesus goes to someone else and says, follow me. And the guy says, okay, I will follow you. But first, now he says something and uses an excuse that's so emotional and so noble sounding. Who could ever come back against something that's so wonderful as I need to bury my dad? I mean, that sounds like something that, that is it's, it's like ironclad. How could you come up with any argument against I'd like to follow you, but first let me bury my dad? Who would say something against that? Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect in looking at our excuses and measuring them up and going, and they're terrible. It's bad. It doesn't work. It's weak. I've heard that one before. Because essentially what this guy was saying, uh, without getting into too much detail, you know what? Forget it. Let's just say he was burying his father. The point is Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Look at someone next to you and say, savage Jesus. That's a serious line right there. I mean, just, just let the dead bury the dead. Really? What Jesus is saying is, I mean, he's not saying, I'm sorry your dad died. He's not saying, let me give you a hug. He goes, let, let the dead bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God now. You do what you're supposed to do right now. Stop putting something else in front of what you should be doing right now. Stop coming up with excuses that sound like they're more important than the right thing you should be doing right now. And it says in verse 61, by the way, this guy's father had probably died or was about to die. And in that culture, when your dad was about to die or he was old in age, what he means is let me wait till my dad dies, passes me the family business, let me get my business in order. And after all the money is set and everything is established, then I'll come follow you. But you know what? The reason Jesus called him out on this is no different than the garbage we come up with. Yeah. We say, let me wait till the end of this season. Let me wait till the end of my school year. Let me wait till I'm done with graduate school. Let me wait till I finally get married and I can create time. And it's excuse after excuse. And you know what the answer is to all that? Let the dead bury the dead. 
You go do what you're supposed to do right, come on, say it, right now. You got to start now. And another said, I will follow you. And he said, but first, all these firsts, but first, and he gives one that no one could ever come back against this one. He says, but first, let me go say goodbye to my family. They're just over there. Let me, I'll come with you, but just let me just go say goodbye. How could Jesus come against this? But what does Jesus say? He goes, <laughs> nobody that puts their hand on the plow. And he uses the analogy that when you come into the kingdom, it's beginning to sow seed, to plow, to work, to be a part of kingdom work for the rest of your life. He says nobody that puts their hand on the plow and even looks back one time is fit to be a part of the kingdom. He's saying you must know, not know what it is to be a part of the kingdom if you're putting even family over me. Jesus is saying that nothing is ever a good enough excuse to delay doing what you're supposed to do. And as we're jumping into 2022, my goal is to not make you like me today. It's to get you stirred up. I want to get you fired up about your future. I want to get you excited about the things that God has in front of you. Jesus first is not easy. It is massively difficult. And I'm tired of people just blending in. And letting their destiny just lay dormant in their life. Stop blending in. It's time to stand out. For too long, people in this room have had a faith that resembles John Doe. You know what John Doe is? That's the name they give somebody when they don't know what their real name is. Their identity has been stripped away. They can't even identify who they are, so they just call them John Doe. It's the most bland kind of life you could ever live. We don't need a John Doe kind of faith today at the beginning of 2020. Do you know what we need? We don't need a church full of John Does. We need a church full of John Wicks. We need a John Wick faith today. We need somebody that's willing to walk into a building with 500 guns and all you got's a little handgun and you're going to walk out and bodies going to be laying everywhere in the spirit. What I mean is that you're going to devils that are trying to stop you and come against you. You're going to walk into a situation that seems insurmountable in the spirit, and you're going to say, I'm not worried about the odds. I'm not worried about what's stacked against me. What I'm going to do is trust God that I can step out into situations that seem impossible, and I'm going to come out the other end victorious in Jesus' name. You know, I'm tired of living a low-risk life. I don't want to live a low-risk life any longer. If you're ever going to do something great, it's going to take those moments where your hands are sweating and, and your knuckles are white and your teeth are clenched and, and you're wondering what it's going to feel like. You know, faith is actually a four-letter word. It seems like it's not, but it is. It's a four-letter word. You want to know how to spell it? R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. And if you're not in the business of taking risks, then you're not in the business of faith. Faith is all about putting yourself in an unsure situation, but you step out into faith. There's some people in this room right now that need to be on our dream team. You need to be serving. You need to be up here on this stage playing instruments and, and, and getting in touch with our team saying, hey, I've, I've got a gift. I can use it for the Lord. I've always wanted to be on cameras. I've always wanted to learn how to make movies and to make films and to edit and to be a part of the church. And you've got big dreams in your life, but something has kept you back from taking the risk and stepping out. Something has kept you back from starting that business and stepping out. Something has kept you back 
from going to Bible school or, or from, from writing the novel that God's put on your heart or from becoming the coach and coaching the team that you want to coach. Something has kept you back. And I'm tired. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living the John Doe kind of life. I'm ready in the spirit to have a John Wick kind of faith. Risk is an action that exposes you to the possibility of loss or injury. And we're too good at risk management in our Christian faith. We need to learn how to step into risk. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great theologian, wrote the following in 1934 about the Christian church in Germany. He said, to delay or to fail to make decisions may be more sinful than to make wrong decisions out of faith and love. So to delay to make a decision is more sinful than to make a wrong decision. If you're doing it in love and to do it in faith. I think some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned have been trying something out of the right attitude that was wrong. And I failed and I made a mistake and I said, I never want to do that again. How many people here have ever touched a hot pan on a stove before? Hopefully you don't do that all the time. <laughs> I think the idea is that you do it and you go, ah, I never, I'm never going to do that again. You learn your lesson from the mistake, but it's the mistake that taught you a valuable lesson. Now what happens is when your kid is running through the house and that pen, you go, boy, get away from that pen. You're going to burn your hand. How do you know? Because I've done it. <laughs> I learned that lesson personally. And you have to take those kinds of risks. There's, you know, if you're not living this way, what's keeping you from living that kind of life? Ask yourself today, what is keeping you from living that all-out kind of life? Because there's a way to get there. There is a way to get from where we are to where God has called us to go. Why is that fight and that struggle there? And is it unique to just you? Are you the only one who has this internal war that's going on? Or could it possibly be that we all have it? I know that Paul had it. He said in Romans 7, 15, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way... But then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. <laughs> Can we get an amen for that one right there? Why is it that what I want to do, I don't do, but I end up doing what I hate doing? Anybody ever bite your tongue when someone says, somebody says something? You go, I'm not going to say nothing, and you say it. <laughs> and you're just mad at yourself. Now you're mad at yourself because you couldn't even stop from saying the thing that you, you didn't want to say. That's what Paul's talking about. We've got all these things that we want to do. But it seems like we always do the thing we shouldn't do. What is that? That's a conflict that is going on in our soul. That's a conflict that's going on in our heart. It's a struggle. There's a resistance that's trying to push back against us and keep these two lives separated. You go, what do you mean two lives? You schizophrenic, Pastor Jeff? No, no, no. We have two lives that are going on in us. Which ones are they? It's the life we live, and it's the unlived life within us that God has intended for us. The dreams, the unfulfilled dreams, the kinds of believers that we're supposed to be, all these possibilities, these amazing things that require faith, that require discipline, that require work, this unlived life that's in us. I don't know why these dreams are in me. I don't know why God has put things in me that I can't explain. They're there, but some of them are unlived, but there's a, a gulf in between those things. There's a gap in between those things. The life I'm currently living and the unlived life within me. And you know what our job is as believers? Is in faith, in the name of Jesus, it's to close the gap between the life we live and the unlived 
life within us. And it's going to take something that none of us like very much, another four-letter word, work. Anybody ever put on your workout clothes? Only? <laughs> That's all you do? You don't work out? Have you ever done that before? Don't you just feel like you look better when you put them on for some reason? Like you feel like you've accomplished something, like you should just lose weight for putting them on. And then typically what you do is you put them on and then you just like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so sporty today, you know? And then you go have breakfast and then now you've like added a pound to the whole situation. And, and then you end up just sitting around all day and you don't ever do nothing. Well, I mean, just putting them on doesn't do anything for you. You've got to put in the work. You've got to do the work and close that gap between the life you're living and the unlived life within you. But the greatest resistance that you will ever face comes from inside of you. I don't know why. I mean, from the time I was 19 years old, I have always dreamed that over here there would be a complex that would be, you know, a, a film studio where we make movies and we make television shows and we make content. And when I was 19, I said it would be called Chrysalis, and I could see the building, and I had the, the building design. I don't know why there are certain things in my life that I just can't put on hold. They exist. They're there. But the question is, am I going to let the gap, that resistance that keeps me from working every day towards seeing things manifest in my life and believing that God is big enough to cause things to happen that I don't know how they're those problems are going to be solved, am I going to close that gap or am I going to get frustrated and stay stuck here? No, I'm going to close the gap between me, the life I'm living, and the unlived life within me. And there are things, specific things, that keep us from living this life. And I want to share a few of them with you today. Some of them is your fear. Some of them is your unbelief. Some of them are, is your hardness of heart. You know, in the parable of the talents, God gave different amounts of talents to different people. Five, two, one. The guy with five doubled it. The guy with two doubled it. The guy with one did not double it. But it's not because he didn't have the ability to double it. He got scared. He got afraid. And what happened is when the master went away and he came back, he said, Master, I know you have high standards. You hate careless ways that you demand the best. Make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is safe and sound down to the last cent. And he got punished and cast out by his Master, because he had an incorrect belief system about the master. The master had already demonstrated he wasn't harsh and mean and rude. He had already demonstrated that he was kind toward people that simply did what he asked them to do. But he had created false assumptions in his own life. You might have some poor belief systems that need to be corrected. If you're a person that's here today and you don't believe in miracles, start believing in miracles today. If you're a person here today who's intimidated to be generous and to give, start being generous today. Yeah, yeah. Fix your belief systems before you move forward because they are keeping you from living that life that you're called to live. Close the gap by fixing your fear, fixing your unbelief, fixing your hardness of heart, and know that this comes from within. This resistance comes from within. Do you know every day when I wake up, I have the opportunity to do nothing or to actually do the things that help me get closer to my dream. And I'm tempted just like anybody else is. We have all these things, and why? Because we don't want to do something that will delay our gratification. If I sit there and I say to myself, okay, well, we've got all these things that we want to do next year. Let me just think of one of those things. Uh, one of those things is, um, like, let's say, for instance, 
I'll, I'll take a personal thing that I'm working on this year, which is finishing another screenplay that I'm working on. Every time that I'm working on a film, every time that I'm working on a movie, I have to take time aside. When I wrote my book, it was almost two years of every single day writing, writing, writing. There were a million different things I could do when I knew I was supposed to be writing. I could watch TV. I could eat another Oreo, which I've eaten many of those in my entire life. Uh, I could, I could do, come up with a million things. Oh, I need family time. We come up with all these things. And we don't want to delay our gratification because I know that for writing my book or for working on a film or for, for studying more for future things that I'm working on in ministry, those are all going to feel like delayed gratification because I'm not going to see the results of that for years. I'm going to put in the time today, but I'm not going to see the results for years. And so we have all these things that push back uh, us doing what's right because we don't want delayed gratification. We want it now. Does anyone remember that study? from Stanford where they took a bunch of kids and offered them a marshmallow. That's like one of the most famous studies ever. That's like 40 years old. They said, do you want a marshmallow now? Or do you want a marshmallow? Do you want more marshmallows, like three or four marshmallows later? That was the whole experiment. And, and, and so some kids said, I'll take it now. Some kids said, well, I'd rather have three or four later. So they administered them just like they wanted. And they actually, the study wasn't simply about the marshmallows. They studied all of their lives for the next 20 years and found that like 95% of the kids who said they would rather have a marshmallow later ended up with more successful marriages, more successful careers because they understood the concept of delayed gratification. And that's the thing. If you're going to make the right choices in your life, you might not get the gratification now, but it is going to bless you in the long run. Another thing is your belief systems can hold you back from a variety of things, you know, what you believe about miracles, money, fitness, breaking addictions, all those things. You have these beliefs as, well, my family did it, so I do it too. No, you make the right decision now. Don't come up with an excuse like, you know, I got to bury my father. I got to so say goodbye to my mother. I, I'll follow you now. No, you can't even get away from your home. Stop coming up with excuses. Do what's right today. Another thing that will keep you from living uh, the unlived life within you is self-sabotage. And we self-sabotage many times by creating crisis and drama in our lives where we live in a constant soap opera. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm sure you could win an Oscar if you wanted to. Now finish the sentence and say, but please don't be so dramatic. I mean, some people, just no matter what you come up with, it, when you ask them why they can't, oh, I'm sick with this, I'm sick with that, oh, I'm, I, you have no idea, I hurt my leg and I can't get there, and uh, oh, I'm just so tired, I mean, uh, oh, I, no, I can't go there because this person said this about, and just like you can create so much, and really what it is at the end of the day, it's self-sabotage. You've come up with all these excuses that seem so noble to everyone else on why you can't simply do what God has called you to do. You feel like it's going to, if you take away all the excuses, then you will be left to admit that there may be something wrong with you. Maybe it's just you. Maybe there's no excuse and you have to take the blame. We do this all the time. That is why Jesus asks somebody a question that is a really weird question. John chapter 5, verse 5. It says, a certain man had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been in that condition a long time. He sees a guy who can't walk for 38 years. He lays on a mat begging every single day. 
And he asks him a weird question. Do you want to know what the weird question is? Here's the question. Would you like to get well? Why is that weird? It sounds weird because it seems obvious that someone that's been laying there that long would want to get up. But here is where it's not weird. It's a very rational question. Because when you live a life of self-sabotage and you constantly come up for reasons why you can't give, you constantly come up with reasons why you can't be the kind of husband or father that you're supposed to be. Oh, well, I'm spending too much time providing for my family, so I can't spend time with my family. Whatever it is that sounds so noble in our mind, Jesus asks him that question because he says, do you want to get real? Do you actually want to get well? Do you want to get well? Because if you say you want to get well, you're going to get well. You're going to get your miracle, but you're also going to have to get up from that spot and never beg again. You're going to be personally responsible. Everyone's going to know you're healed, so you can no longer use the same excuses that you used yesterday. They won't work anymore. Are you ready to live the kind of life of freedom where you have to take personal responsibility? We can even tell our story and our history to people in a way that sets us up for them to feel sorry for us. I did this a lot when I was young. And I had been in a music career where I'd had some bad things that were done to me, but everybody in the music business has. But the way I told my story to people, oh, and then he did this and he did that and he took advantage of this and that. Yes, a lot of things took place that were really jacked up when I was young and I should have had a lawyer and I should have done all kinds of things. But the way, it's not just simply what happened to me, but the way I told my story was to set myself up so I appeared as if this person who had just had everyone beat me down and I just tried so hard. It was just, it's just lame. It's just, in all honesty, as I'm older now, I, I can say that there's a lot of reasons that my career didn't do exactly what I wanted to do. Some of it had to do with my work ethic. Some of it had to do with I just didn't have a lot of ability that I thought I had at that time. And I've learned how to get better in certain areas, improve and take personal responsibility to slowly become the kind of artist and person that I want to be. It's been really, really hard. But it's not good enough to just have a story that makes everyone feel sorry for you. At some point in your life, if you're ever going to have God help you close the gap between the life that you are living right now and whatever potential you have left to do everything that he's called you to do, you're going to have to get real with yourself. You're going to have to admit some things about you that are hard. You're going to have to answer the question when Jesus leans into you as he is doing right now. And he asks you, do you want to be made well? And you're going to have to say yes. And you're going to understand what comes along with that. That means i got to get rid of the excuses. I've got to be willing to step up now and to live the kind of life I'm called to live, to take responsibility. i got to quit living the John Doe life. i got to be a little bit more like John Wick in the spirit. Can I get an amen from somebody? And, 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 you know, a lot goes with this. There's a lot of things that have to change if you're ever going to do what's right now. If you're ever going to start now, then you've got to change some things about your life. Because you say, well, I don't have time to get in shape. Of course not. How, how do you have time to get in shape? If, you plan, if, if what you mean is I don't have time in my current schedule where I binge watch 14 episodes of something every night. And I spend four hours a day on social media. Of course you don't have time. And I go to bed at midnight every night. And I wake up at six to go to work. Of course you don't have time. No one can do all those things. Or, or with the mentality, if you're saying I don't have time or energy to do these things with the mentality and the habits that I currently have, you never will. If you have 30 minutes to get to your appointment and it takes 20 minutes to get there, 
So if, if it's 30 minutes until your appointment time and it's 20 minutes to get there, maybe that doesn't mean you leave in 10 minutes. Anybody with me on this one? What does it possibly mean? Help me discover this. What does it possibly mean? Maybe you leave 10 minutes ago. Can you imagine having 20 minutes of free time when you get to your appointment to sit there, maybe think about what you're going to say, to pray a little bit about having peace? I mean, you, ever, you ever met somebody that when they walk in, they go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm late. Uh, yeah, God, I'll take a Diet Coke. Yeah, it's I mean, it's like, you just want to freak out. I mean, like, you're like, you want to freak out and jump out a window. You're like, why don't you just eat by yourself? I'm about to go nuts now because you brought this weird energy. Isn't it cool when you walk up to a place and someone's already sitting there? You're, you're like a little early and they're already sitting there like, oh, hey, what are you doing, what are you doing here? I've just been here. I had some extra time, just, just waiting a little bit. They created some space and margin in their life. I got news for you. If you got $100 in your bank account and you got $80 in bills, you only have $20 of margin. So don't go buy a shirt that costs 30 you go, that's what credit cards are for, Pastor. No, that's what debt is for. <laughs> you need margin. When I was uh, writing my book, I really enjoyed working with the designers at my publishing company. They're one of, one, some of the best in the industry. I've done some of the most beautiful books. I was very involved in the, the type, the, the layout, everything about it, and they taught me something about the margins that for the optimal, for optimal readability, you need at least 40% space in your margins, 40%. So your eyes can look at and be comfortable with reading. So I said, well, then let's go with 50. I want, I'd like to have a little more margin than, than, than the average, just so people don't get intimidated by looking at the page. You ever been intimidated looking at, you ever tried to open a dictionary before and read it? How scary is that? I mean, that's why you never go to the pool and be like, what's up, Bill? How you doing? You're like, oh, just chilling. What you reading over there? Webster's. No, no one does that. You don't read the dictionary because it's just too, there isn't enough space there. You're all freaked out looking at it. So we need margin, space in our life to be able to accomplish the things that might mean really analyzing your schedule and taking out things that don't belong. Let me tell you something. People are like, oh, I, I take a social media break every year at the beginning of the year. Maybe you should just delete social media. Completely. Maybe don't take a break. Maybe just don't do it. That's not a curse word to say that. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's possible that some of the habits that we have gotten into societally are just not beneficial for our soul. If it's not working for your schedule and it's not working for your family, now maybe you can manage it in a way that is good and healthy and it's not a bad thing for you. So by all means, use the things that God has put in your life to be a benefit to you and to others. Maybe it's part of your ministry at City of Life. Social media is very important to us. And, and the way we use it is to try to reach a lot of people. But if it's something that's got you hung up, maybe somebody needs to take your TV out of your living room and walk that thing into another room and just set it down. Maybe you need to get that out of your life. Whatever is standing in the way of you doing what's right now, get rid of it in your life. Just don't allow it. Create some space in your life. The greater the call, the greater the resistance. 
Whatever is pushing back against you, it's going to look mean. And it is going to look rough. Because that thing that is in you does not want you to get to your destiny. It's going to give you a million options, a million things that you could do instead of what's right. You're going to have more excuses than you know what to do with. Anybody remember that, that show, uh, or Annie, that, mo- that movie, Annie? Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you. Do you know the song? Sing it with me. Tomorrow. Okay, good. You know. I just want to make sure you knew. Okay, you all started singing it. I was making sure that people still know what Annie is. Tomorrow, tomorrow. That's always the attitude that we have. Tomorrow, tomorrow. We got the, the little orphan Annie syndrome. I'll have that meeting tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll have the meeting tomorrow. Uh, uh, finishing our, our school. I'll go back to college tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll go back to college tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll go to the gym tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll fix my marriage tomorrow. And I mean, and just you turn around and just years are rolling by. And they just, they just roll by and roll by. We can make resistance look noble by even saying things like, well, I can't just do that now. I have to think of everyone's schedule. Well, aren't you just so noble? Desperation doesn't think that way. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Christ Jesus, the master, now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. That doesn't sound like little orphan Annie syndrome to me. It's time to start living the unlived life within you. Stop living your John Doe attitude in the spirit and start being a John Wick that's willing to walk into a room that's full of danger and know that you are going to come out victorious in Jesus' name. Start treating your dream like it's a job. I didn't say stop treating your dream like it's a job. I said start treating it like it's a job. What do you do at a job? You work. You got to start putting in some work, 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 work. You got to put some work in to the dream. And you got to start today. Because there's nobody that's going to put work into your dream if you're not willing to put work into the dream first. You got to start first by putting work into your dream. Close the gap between the life you're living and the unlived life within you. I love watching people that are willing to work. You know what? I've got news for you. Here's a little secret that nobody will tell you about. When you get excited about doing a dream that is beautiful, doing a dream that is encouraging, doing a dream that's been given to you by God, when you get excited about that, part of the reward is the work. That's the thing that everybody misses. You think there's some mountaintop moment where you finally get out there and you look out and go, this is what I was doing it for. (laughs) No, that's not what it is. It's the the little things. Sometimes it never gets...
Sometimes it doesn't ever get any greater of a feeling than standing in a room with a bunch of people and saying, guys, let's, let's start a ministry that's gonna bless single moms. We don't have a lot going on in that area right now, but let's just do it. Well, how are we gonna do it? I don't know. What if we did this? What if we did that? And you're dreaming. And then you start coming up with ideas and doing the work. You go do this, I'll go do that. We'll make this happen. You know, it's beautiful to get down the road and to see the lives that are changed by these things, but the work is part of the reward. There are benchmarks along the way. If you're wanting to use like getting in shape as an analogy, it's great to have goals, actual things. I want to lift this much. And you may be so far away from that. But maybe before you hit that goal, Maybe you realize, well, I've done it consistently for this long and I was able to do a smaller amount today and I'm not as sore as I was the last time I did it. What is that? That's a reward in the middle of the work. You haven't reached the goal yet. You're not there yet, but what are you doing? You're making progress. So rather than having that mentality of your reward is just somewhere down there, find the joy in the work. Find the satisfaction, the gratification in that work. And learn how to be a professional. Can I say that in church? Learn how to be a professional. What does that mean? It means put in effort the way a professional would at everything you do in your life. The Bible tells us explicitly in Colossians 3, 23 through 25, work from the heart for your real master, God confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Realize and keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. Work as unto the Lord. Be a professional about your dream. What do professionals do? They show up on time, they work hard, they give their best effort and they get promoted because they've done fantastic jobs. It does not matter what your job is. I don't care if you think you have a noble job or an ignoble job. If you have a job that has been given to you, it is what God has put in front of you right now. It is your duty as a Christian to do amazing at your job, to show up with energy, with heart, with ideas. Give everything that you have in your job. Work until you can't work anymore in your job and do it for someone else. You say, well, they don't. They don't appreciate me. You're not working for them. You are working for the Lord. You do your work as unto the Lord. And you let, the Bible says promotion comes from the north. It doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the north. So you may get even promoted by your boss. And you may say thank you. But in, in your heart of hearts, you go, you didn't promote me. God did. You're working for God. And if you work hard for God, then other people will work hard for you when they're working for your dream. Identify the difference between busyness and productivity. Just because you're doing stuff all the time doesn't mean you're being productive. Figure out what it takes to make you productive. Uh, Nabokov, when he wrote, you know where he wrote? He wrote in the back seat of a vehicle because he said that's the only place that was quiet enough that he couldn't hear all the things that were going on in life. And it's a really weird place to write, but that's the place that he found that he was the most productive. 
Figure out things that keep you from being productive and eliminate them. Stop being busy and learn how to be productive. Busyness is not a part of my business. Busyness, and stop using the answer, never ever. If, everyone's, if anyone ever asks you, how are you doing? Never answer busy. That's not a how, that, everybody's busy. We've all got a million things that we are doing and could be doing, and busyness is not indicative of success. Figure out a way to go for productive rather than busy. Close that gap between the life you're living and the unlived life within you. Stop living the John Doe kind of faith and start living the John Wick kind of faith. Where I believe this year you're going to walk into situations. And, and, what, and you say, what do you mean the John Wick faith? It's just a movie about a guy that is constantly walking into situations that when he walks in there, you go, he's dead. There's no way. One guy can't take on this whole play. And somehow he comes out the other side. In the spirit, when it comes to the opposition and the, the trials that you're going to encounter, people may write you off and say they could never overcome that, but you can do it in Jesus' name. Start now. Don't start tomorrow. Don't start the next day. Start now. And, and just kind of in closing, I'll give you one thing that you can kind of hold on to that I think is a really good thing. Amy and I were talking not long ago and she was telling me something that she had, had read about that she thought was really cool. And it's an idea called the five second rule. And the five second rule is just, a, it's, it's basically this. The moment you realize there's something good that you need to do, give yourself literally five seconds to decide to do it. You're laying down in bed and you say, I should go work out. One, two, I don't want to, three, four, but I need to. Boom. And you step out, you get out of bed. I should read my Bible, do the same kind of thing. I should pray. Stop having conversations with yourself that you're going to lose. Okay. And start enacting and start living the life that God has called you to live. That's my message for you on the first day, the first Sunday of 2022. I, I hope that it's something that empowers you to live the life that God has called you to live this year. I wanna pray with you today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe your life is not in the right place to start a new year. Maybe you, have, you went out partying last year in a way that you shouldn't have. And you say, I, I just don't want it. You see that it always leads you to pain, regret, sorrow. You say, this year I wanna, I wanna go into 22 with some honor. You're here today. You're watching today. You're online. I know that something in your heart wants what God wants for your life. So today, would you make a decision to serve Jesus? If that's you today, you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, I'm going to count to three. When I do, I'll ask online that you lift your hand up in the air physically. And also then when I count to three, that you type in that chat and say, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Type that. Tell someone in the chat, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If you're in this room, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand above your head on three to signify I need to make a change in my life. I need to put my faith in Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here we go. I'm going to give a call to action. And on three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. One, the Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Oh, yes. Now is the time of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not the next day. Now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the room if that's you. Hands going up in every single section. Many, 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 many hands all across this room. 
I believe many people online as well. And I'm just gonna ask you with your hand in the air, if you would pray with me out loud right now, unashamed, just say, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I can't rule over myself any longer. Be my savior. I can't save myself. I need to be under your authority. Thank you for saving me and for forgiving me for all of my sins. Turning away from that old life, walking into a brand new life. Help me to start now, closing the gap between the life I'm living and the unlived life within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God a great praise on the first Sunday of 2020? This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.